0: Good afternoon, welcome to the latest edition of the Star Owls. Plenty to discuss from the high of Cambridge to Tuesday's draw against Sacramento, which felt a little bit like a defeat. But first, elephant in the room, we've got Joe Cram back.
1: How are you getting on? Elephant's a good choice. I just bought. I just brought Alex a, a little elephant back from, from Africa. He got a little treat. <laughs> All nice. right, I,
2: All right. I think it's important to put some context on that. You haven't just bought me a cuddly toy.
1: Now. no. <laughs> <laughs> I you can choose to do with this cuddly toy what you want. I just bought it for you. But
2: well, my my missus is expecting that you know. But it was it was weird when when you walk in at Hillsborough. Uh, oh, he didn't.
0: In his under his arm for you, really? Did
2: he? No, no. So I, I sort of stuffed it in my in my work bag. Um, but you get your bags checked. So the the shock of the security bloke on the, on the front when he pulled out a a, a cuddly toy. It was all part of the plan. That's why
1: I gave you it to before we went to the ground.
2: <laughs> Good stuff, brilliant. I'm sure we'll
0: come on to Cambridge. But first of all, obviously, you lads were both at Hillsborough on Tuesday. What happened, Alex? You might be better placed to, to shed some light because you were there with me last weekend when everything was swimming, the stars were aligned, and then I don't know. I mean, am I being sort of over dramatic? A draw feels a little bit like a well, like a big come down after winning six 0
2: it does. I think anything would have done. Um, but ultimately, if Wednesday had held on for the last 10 minutes and, and ground out a 1-0, we, you know, we'd be having a very, very different conversation. And rightly so. You know, it, it's, you know, you look at it, it's probably not a game that, that Wednesday should have dropped points in. It was Accrington's first point on the road uh, of the season. It, it came down to a set-piece again. Uh, Accrington's first, well, one-and-only corner in the entire match. And... Um, yeah, they made a bit of a mess of it, and that, as, as Joe put it in his match report, that Achilles heel was kicked uh, yet again, and, and Darren and the players will, will continue to be asked questions about it, and until they sort it out, it will be something that opposition teams target, um, and it will be something that that no doubt plays in the minds of of Wednesday players whenever they do give away a, a set play. Um, the performance itself... Not particularly inspiring. Wednesday had the better of it. There's no doubt about that. And and Accrington's keeper made some good saves in, in both halves. Um so yeah, probably, you know, a one-nil wouldn't have flattered you know, either side, really, I don't think. I think I was probably about right, but um yeah, disappointing disappoints is the word. It's it's not, you know, any travesty. This isn't the end of the promotion chase, and, and we sort I think we said didn't we, on a previous podcast that with the run of form that Wednesday have been on, it's that word that that you use. It it does feel like a come down and it probably feels a little bit um, more of a a problem that it would do, you know, if if, uh, things weren't going so well, ironically. Um, But, yeah, the the ample opportunity to uh, put it right over the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah. We'll come on to Gillian. Joe, um, are you in that sort of camp who feel that, Barry Bannon's substitution, you know, was a turning point and perhaps if it had stayed on, we might be looking at two wins out of two.
1: Potentially. I mean, we'll never we'll never know what might have happened. They might have still continued that corner and conceded for me, even if you know Bannon was still on the pitch. But you know, me and Alex were talking right after the game and you know when when you're playing a team like Accrington who you know the, I I found it incredible how how much they dominated Wednesday, especially aerially. You know, they. I think I looked at the stats afterwards. I think they won 38 aerial duels over the course of the game, which is nuts. Um, and I think in, in that scenario, for me, it makes sense to have a player like Bannon who can get the ball and keep the ball. And that, you know, if you if you do that, then, you know, you are, as the old saying goes, if the opposition haven't got the ball, they can't score, which is ironic, considering we consider a known goal in the end. But um, it, it was a, for me, I, I do think that it's uh, it was a substitution that I was a little bit puzzled by. Put it that way. I think if it had been two 0 three 0 and you go, yeah, we're we're resting him, would save his legs, that kind of thing. But yeah, it just was a bit of a a surprise decision for me. So, yeah. it, it hadn't been his night. He, you oh, know, no,
2: he he, not he, been great now. Yeah, uh, I think in terms of uh, retention of the ball and stuff, that's it's it's a it's a high bar, but that's probably as bad as I've seen. Bannon. I went and looked back, and fifty-seven percent past completion, which for a player of his, know. yeah, a player of his, you know, unbelievable quality, um, especially at this level. Um, so you know, you, you could see his frustration afterwards. Um, it was and it, again, now. it what it, well, it look. It was it was one that, that surprised me because, as Joe said, he won a lot going into the last twenty minutes. I think I I said on the night, you know, Bannon and, and Byers are probably the most important players, you know, in the way that they use the ball and just keep the ball. Um so yeah, it was it was a confusing one, but um as Darren was at, at pains to point out, I don't think Barry Bannon would have headed uh a ball away at set play. So it's um six of one and a half a dozen.
0: I suppose it's fair enough and maybe sometimes we're a little bit guilty of of expecting too much from Bannon. Maybe in part because he's played so much, but he is a human being and, and he does have off days and, you know, he's not immune from a substitution. Um, just on the, the set pieces, I, th- I think it's quite an interesting point Darren made last week. It was yourself, Alex, and I'm not dropping you in it here, but you mentioned about Shay Dunkley coming back and Dom Iolfer coming back and how those individuals could potentially help. And then more pointed out that they were conceding goals from set pieces when they were fit, which uh, it underlines the fact that it's, it's a team issue, isn't it? It's not just about individuals as such. It's, and obviously, it's a bit concerning. when you think, is it 40% of goals or just shy of that have been mm. conceded by set pieces?
2: Yeah, 39%, which is a, a remarkable number, really. Um, yeah, it, it's probably a bit crude and oversimplistic to go, well, Shay Dunkley's good at heading balls away. <laughs> Let's love get in him back. in. Lob him in and problem solved. Because, because as yeah, as you've said, it, it was an issue um, for a period. It, it, it will probably help. You know, I, I don't think anyone. If you look at his aerial jewels, I think he's something like seven point six per no- We lost Alex. Am I yeah. back? Am I here? We've got you We've got
0: now.
2: So
0: we, we, you now. We, we lost you at
2: seven point six. Seven point six. Um, so yeah, uh, there's obviously a big argument that that he would. You know, play play a part in that, but you know, we know that they want to start attacks from the back and all the rest of it. Shay Dunkley isn't necessarily that person. You know, Sam Hutchinson and and someone like Dominic O'Forre are probably more adept to that sort of thing. So it's a balancing act. Um, but yeah, there'll certainly be a very very and Harley Dean. You know, comes in that you know in terms of organisation and aerial ability. Um, so there's going to be a hell of a battle for for three spots over the next few weeks. You would have thought. Yeah, I because would hate see- to see that fight. Just all those <laughs> centre backs, just let them, let them go at each other. Roll, rumble. While we're um...
1: three winners, the three winners get to start. It's <laughs> poor, poor Kieran Brennan. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no
0: all right thinking that Brennan's one of those guys who's out injured.
1: Yeah, the, uh the the role in one in one out situation at Sheffield Wednesday's uh, defenders yeah. continues. Um, uh, they're waiting he picked up a knock in the 23s in the day so they're waiting to see how bad it is It's uh, it might not be anything to, to worry about too much but to be honest with the, the centre-backs that are around now I think you're probably looking at a bit of a stretch for for where it'd have to get to for Kieran Brennan to be, to be starting now
0: Yeah I think that's a fair point just while we're on injuries um, any updates before Gillingham are we likely to see anyone back
1: Alex yeah, you were asking about the guys weren't you
2: yeah, Josh Windass, Nathaniel Mendes-Lang and Harley Dean um, will be assessed before they set off for Gillingham. Um, you know, whether they're all involved, whether it's one, two, uh, remains to be seen. The the sort of phrase that Darren used is, if they're not involved for Gillingham, uh, that they'll likely, you know, touch wood and, and barring any uh, further issues, they'll likely be involved against Cheltenham. So that's obviously a massive boost. You know, Harley Dean we've already touched on, but just Josh Windows and, and Nathaniel Mendes-Lang coming in together. I mean what a boost for any for any league one club um and that, Darren spoke about the individual goal threat and and just the uh sort of ability to make things happen um little moments of of individual gold and and certainly both players have got that. we've seen that this season um I think there'll probably be a betting in period which may well be frustrating for some Wednesday fans. You know, we've seen that with Lee Gregory over the last couple of weeks. Um, But, yeah, obviously a a monster, monster boost. And there are still nine matches left. There's a lot of football remaining. Um, So, to get those two, you know, fit and fire in for the the rest of the season, a huge, huge bonus.
1: Yeah. I think with those two as well, because of the way that they play and the sort of players they are, I mean, obviously, the Accrington game has gone now, but, Imagine you were sort of locked at nil in that game, and you're an Accrington player. You look over to the bench, and Mendes, Lang, and Josh Windass are getting warmed up. It's uh, it's not something you want to see. And I think that from a Wednesday perspective, even if they do start off as I suppose impact players rather than starting because of that sort of bedding period they're talking about, it's like I say they're, they're not players that League One League One teams are going to be looking at and going, oh, yeah, this this could be a, a difficult last 25 minutes of this game. Yeah.
0: They've both proven themselves as impact players as well, especially with Mendez-Lang's pace off the bench. So it's quite an exciting proposition, actually, all of a sudden, isn't it? Yeah, we've been
1: saying that for a while,
0: haven't we? Right, let's move on. Anyway, um, big story from Hillsborough this week was um, the under-23s retained list. Um, Joe, I know you do an awful lot on the young players, so you'll know this sort of situation quite well. Were there any surprises in there? Among, I think, is it nine that's been released, nine players?
1: Yeah, I don't I think there's any surprises, really. It, a lot of the guys that have gone are the ones that are sort of the the older end. You know, the sort of Kwame Boatings, I think, 23, 24. You've got guys like Liam Waldock, who's... I mean, I've been really impressed by Liam every time I've seen him play, but he's 21 now. And you just think, looking at the, the Wednesday midfield... What is the likelihood of him coming in? I think the good thing, and we spoke to Darren about it today. The good thing from Wednesday's perspective is they've let know early, you know, March, and they've got chance now to to get the lives in gear and get the lives in order. Because I think the the tough thing is when these guys find out in you know, the end of the season, you you're on the back back burner a little bit already, because sorry on the back foot a little bit because obviously other players have moved, teams have filled spots, all that kind of thing. So I, by doing what they've done now. It's given these, these these young players a chance to get in for trials. Their agents can get on, on the different teams and see if they can sort something out for next season. So that's really good. And I don't think there's any major shocks. I mean, there's some, some players that I think Wednesday fans would have liked to have seen a bit more of. You know, you look at players like Charles Hagen, um, who Joshua Odoo was part of the sort of pre season earlier, earlier this season. So. I think there are a few players that people would like to have seen a bit more of, but given the way Wednesday's injuries have gone this season, the fact that none of them were pushed into the first team, I think would probably say a lot. You know, the the fact that they don't think they're they're ready to take that step, and I do think that in, in 23's, 23's football is a weird age because you know if you if you're generally good enough by twenty two twenty three, you will be playing first team football anyway. You know, it's a it's a it's a, it's a bit of an odd age group, really. And I think that for 23s football, you've either got to be 21-22 and a genuine if someone's missing for the first team, or you've got to be 17-18-19 and a, a real prospect. And it looks like the way Wednesday are doing it. Looking at the, the side that beat Sheffield United's 23s the other day, um, Wednesday could have a very, very young 23 set up next season. You know, there was a lot of first-year scholars, a couple of guys who weren't even first-year scholars in, in that side. And the rest of it was made up of pretty much uh, last year's under eighteens and this year's under eighteen. So they, they do seem to be sort of fast tracking those youngsters through now. Uh, and and that's that's exciting because this under eighteens group is is very, very exciting. I've obviously watched them a few times this season and there's a lot of players there that have, you know, that it's quite easy to get excited about, I suppose.
0: Yeah. Alex, do you any ideas? I know you've done touched a little bit on transfers and, and transfer planning this week. Um how many players do you think, or if you have an idea, might more be looking to, to complement that team, that under-23 group? It's a strange sort of group. Like Joe said, it's, it's a transitional group, but you don't necessarily need an entire squad, do you?
2: No, and and I think what Joe's covered there with the, the quality of the under-18s, you know, we spoke about a couple of them with Darren today. Um, I think they'll be given every opportunity because um, the, the fact is they're good enough Um so, yeah, I'm, the honest answer is I don't know, Steve. They've got some trialists in, or they've had them in. Uh, none of them featured in the, the under-23s game the other day. But um, looking ahead, I think it's fair to say that there'll be some more in before the end of the season, you know, when they, where the opportunities pop up. And it'll be interesting to see where they can pick up players from. But in terms of numbers, you know, it, it's, it's partly down to Neil Thompson. It's the recruitment team as well. Um, and it, it sounds like they they speak fairly regularly to to try and get that sorted. And from a first team point of view, it, it's crazy to think it actually after the the manic summer that we had, you know, at the start of this season and three players in, albeit all on loan in in January as well. There will be a lot of work to do, and and that work's already started. Darren told us that last week. Um, everything's been sort of pushed forward because the the World Cup and and the season starting earlier, so they'll, they'll want to get some business done early. Uh, you look at it, Dominic Hoff is the only senior centre half that that's contracted going into next season. So um that's certainly one area and, and no doubt there'll be a few more because of the number of loanees and and one or two coming to the end of the deals as well. So um there'll be a plan in place for Championship football, and there'll be a planning place for League One football. And uh, yeah, I don't think Joe and I are going to have a particularly quiet summer, unfortunately.
0: Well, I've just I've just realised from Ed there'll be at least seven players going with the, uh, the loanies uh, all going back to the parent clubs. Obviously, one or two may stay, but we'll see. I suppose when you lose seven players, I mean, immediately you're probably going to be going back into the, the transfer
1: market for at least three or four to replace uh, that number. Um, yeah, the the plus now is that if Wednesday want to spend, they can. Yeah, I, I can't imagine we'll be getting any sort of spend again. And I don't of what league they're in, but if the, the thing is now that they don't have the restrictions from the summer, so they will be able to spend a little bit on on transfer fees if they want to. So it just, I suppose, it opens the pool up a little bit more. You're not having to um, just take freebies and loans anymore. You can actually start to, you know, push on a little bit.
0: Good stuff. Um, Gilliam on Saturday, then. Before we go on to it, is it fair to say, Alex, are we at the business end of the season yet? Can we start rolling that cliche out?
2: Oh, I don't know. Are they, I've been treating it as getting towards the business end, so I don't know where that line yeah. jumps from getting towards. what nine games left, it's certainly approaching that. Now, I'm still going to stick with getting towards. I think, you know, everything's so close. And this is something else that we spoke about, Darren. Uh, spoke about with Darren today. Everything's so close still in that top eight. No one is giving an inch. The form, if you look at it, the, the, the top six or seven is remarkable. It really, really is. And and Wednesday, obviously, a, a big part of that as well. Um, so I think it... I don't know. You, you'd expect maybe one or two teams to fall away, but it could well go down to the last two or three matches, maybe even a last-day shootout. I um, hope not for everyone's <laughs> hearts and all the rest of it. It'd be nice to just be sat in fourth with uh, everything sewn up with, with a few weeks to go, but, um, we think, yeah, get in that. yeah, absolutely. It's not the Wednesday way, is it? Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, I really do think it could come down to certainly the last fortnight. There's, there's obviously a lot of matches to be played in, in that last month of April. And, um, I wouldn't expect anything to be sewn up too early. Yeah.
0: I feel like, a. Uh... I might roll the business end phrase out from forty games onwards. The final six feels feels about right, depending on the makeup of the table.
2: We'll, we'll shake hands on that. So we've got three more games when we're getting towards the business end, and then bang, straight in the, the business. The thing, thing is, we're
1: always we're just going to keep using nearing it and approaching it. So we're still using the business end. I've, yeah. I think I, I think my first usage of business end was about two months ago. <laughs>
0: Way, way too early. Um, question from Mike Poulton Do the guys know if there's a spending limit in League One, or can we spend what we want next season?
1: I'm not entirely sure on spending. It. They scrapped the wage cap; that got scrapped, yeah. so that's
2: an issue. Yeah, the, the I don't think there is. You know, I've, I've certainly not heard of one. Um, FFP is slightly relaxed in League One compared to the Championship. Um, the reasons for that, I cannot fathom. Quite frankly, you know, you'd think that the lower down you got um the, the more stringent it would be. Um but yeah, I'd, like Joe said, I, I wouldn't forecast any um, Jordan Rhodes Almanab D transfer window, put it that way.
1: I mean there was a, there was some clubs in League One spent some pretty decent money over the summer, mm-hmm. weren't there? So We we're getting it you
2: know there was there's some significant fees in there. Yeah, no absolutely.
0: Fair enough. Interesting question, um, Joe Gillingham. Uh, long trip. Can't say I envy you at all. Um, have you had any time to think about this one, and obviously the sort of challenge that Gillingham might pose to of Wednesday?
1: I think it's it's going to be one of those one of those games again when Wednesday go up against the team who are up in the game. They, they they're going to have that between on the end of the season because a lot of teams are playing, got things to play for still. You know, Dillingham are one of those. So, they're going to want to sort of, they'll see Wednesday come in, they'll see the fans coming, in, and they'll think we can we can make it, we can sort of show ourselves in this game. So, I think what Wednesday needs to do is they need to make sure that they learn from the, the pitfalls of this last game, because there was a lot in that game, me and Alex were talking as, as the game went on, it, it looked from like, what, five minutes in? that it was going to be a tough one for Wednesday. Just the way that the Accrington were playing, it looked like it was going to be a frustrating evening. And I, and I think when the, the annoying thing from the Accrington game was, as I said, if, if we won that game 1-0, I was literally, and I, I'll probably take blame for the draw here, as, as the goal, about maybe a minute before the equaliser, I was writing the, the opening line for my match report and saying how important 1-0 wins are. And then obviously they didn't get one. And I think from from a Wednesday perspective, they haven't won that many games one nil this season. And sometimes you need to you need to win those scrappy games. And if we, if they'd taken that, you we would have gone. That's really good win in difficult circumstances against a tough team. And I think that it, it is going to be another tough one away at Gillingham. And Wednesday they're going to need to dig in. And I, th- I think the the main thing they're gonna to need to do is is make sure they don't get beaten on set set plays again. It's obviously easy to say that as a as a statement, but you know, they they don't concede that many goals on open play. So you would think that with a team like Gillingham, looking at the the comparison quality that they have on the field, um if Wednesday can avoid sort of giving too many fouls away, giving too many corners away, then I think they've got a, a real good chance of getting this game over the line, even if it is going to be a tough one.
2: Yeah.
0: Hopefully you're right. Alex, Ryan Doherty reckons uh, the Owls are going to get into the top six. Um, can you confidently agree with him?
2: Uh, I would expect them to. Right right here, right now, I think. I'll stick with fifth and sixth. You know, I've been saying this all the way through. Um, <laughs> but it won't be easy. And I, I, I'll be honest, you know, when they've been in this run, it's... It, you sort of expect them after a run like they've been on the last six weeks or so. After every game, you look at the league table; it's like, they're still not in the top six, or and it's um, as I said before, it's testament to the other teams. You know the the um, it's a very, very, very strong race, and it may well be a records record points tally to to get into the top six this season. So um, yeah, I agree. They look tired. I think a big part of the success that they've had recently has been moving the ball quickly and that, that's where the quality of, of people like Bannon and, and Byers and Luongo and and the wide men come in um, and we didn't see that and it allowed it allowed Accrington to, to set their own tempo and, and Wednesday couldn't quite wrestle it back for, for large parts of the game. So, um, yeah, it would be interesting to see if there's any changes and, and if so, how many. Um, they haven't really got the uh, the weight of you know the number of players in um in midfield to to change things up but um certainly elsewhere you know there, there may well be one or two it'll be interesting
0: yeah just final final thing mike cotton um obviously on your point about tiredness he highlighted marvin johnson um marvin's a player that's played an awful lot of football recently is there an out and out left back replacement for him i know mendes lang might could play there normally but um Obviously, we know he's not quite back to full fitness. Or do you think we're likely to see him continue in that left-wing-back role for a little bit yet?
1: I'd I'd be surprised if if Marvin Johnson was left out, even if he's a bit tired. I think he's been so good for Wednesday. I think he plays an integral part in the side now. Uh, I mean, again, I think about 30 seconds before he helped set up the first goal of the day, I said to Alec that he'd been quiet, uh, having a rare quiet game. And he still chips in and, you know, he was integral in that opening goal. So I think even on a on a day when he's not quite as vibrant as he has been in others, he's so important to the way that Wednesday play now and, and the quality that he possesses down that left-hand side. I don't think there is another player that can that can do the job as well as he can. Um, and I think it would have to be genuine fatigue levels rather than a little bit of tiredness for, for Darren to consider leaving Marvin out at this point in time. Fair
0: enough. Uh, that brings us to a close for this week. Thanks for your questions and your comments as always. Make sure you check out star.co.uk for plenty of content before and after Saturday. Cheers. Sure.